0: So I want to talk to you a little bit today about coming back home. And it's, um, it's something that um, if, if, if you're around Christianity long, you see people that kind of segue. Maybe you have yourself in times past. You have kind of just segued away and kind of just drifted. Uh, We get into aimless drifting sometimes, and um, there is a way back home to a relationship that he intended from the beginning, and what I can tell you is the only thing that would cause you to segue is that you don't know him. We always look at it as, well, they got connected with that old crowd. Well, they got back on the booze. Well, they got connected with this or that or they got other interest in their life and well, they had children and now they're doing other things and and that's what we always blame it on something like that. But I can tell you right now, it doesn't matter throughout my life if you're married and particularly if you've been out in the workforce where there's mixed-sex mixed uh, genders, where there, you've got male and female in that workforce. If you're in that workforce and there's male and female around all the time, here's a guarantee. Opportunities are going to come to you, and they don't care whether you're married or not. Hello? But I don't care what opportunities come throughout my life I've made a choice. My heart is given to Pat. Now, that doesn't make me better than anybody who has failed or who has slipped or who has messed up because we all have an opportunity for redemption. What I'm trying to say is is that is not going to change. You say, well, how do you know? Because I've already lived since we were 18 together and my opportunities came even stronger between 18 and 30. Hello? And the trials have already come and gone between 30 and 40 and 40 and 50 that I know what temptation may come. I'm going to stay with Pat. Why? Because that is who I love. that is who I know. Quite frankly, I don't want to retrain and neither does she. You know? Who wants to go down that road again? <laughs> you know So what I'm trying to say here is is that once you know God, you're never leaving. If you drift, it's because you never got a chance to know him. So the way back home is the same as the way there to begin with, is to know him. What's sad to me is in church, growing up in church, and if all of you grew up in church, just like I grew up in church, when you got saved... They encouraged you to go to Sunday school and you had a fairly untrained individual who just knew more about the Bible than most of the church at that location. And they taught you Sunday school and they taught you the stories. There's nothing wrong. You need to know the stories. Those stories never put you in a position to be drawn into a relationship. They, they, it was always to, to do good and good's going to happen. If I do bad, then bad's going to happen, and that's what's ingrained in you. And it's it's something that's it's line upon line precept upon precept, here a little, there a little, right? I'm gonna go there here in just a minute, because that kind of thinking can get you in a lot of trouble, and it can get you in a position where you're you're trained to drift. When I run into somebody, that's why once this grace message became revelation to me, no longer when someone is drifting, matter of fact, those the drifters are the ones I want to get in contact with. Love getting a hold of the drifters because the drifters had an experience and they never knew See, the first thing we should do in church when someone gets saved is not encourage them to be at church the next Sunday. Now, I know this is going to be hard because it's called retraining. And, and you know what it takes to, you know, how many of you have ever bought a home and somebody that came in before you had had that home and they had put concrete in? And that concrete, when you bought the home, you said, I don't want that concrete there. I want the concrete over here. And I want that to be yard, and I want this to be the patio. Okay? What do you have to do to change that? What do you have to do to transform their patio to the patio you want? Well, the first thing you have to do, if you're wanting to make that room is at some point in time, this is going to have to be busted up. It's going to have to be busted up, and it's going to have to be shoveled out, and it's going to have to be carried away, and new forms are going to have to be put in to form that concrete the way you want it put in. Be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind and it's renewed through the word through what God says. The first thing we should be doing with new Christians is teaching them how to read the Bible. and you can't teach them how to read the Bible if you don't know how to read the Bible. If a new Christian comes my way, the first thing I want them to do is get into Psalms and Proverbs and John, everything about John, everything John wrote. Why? Because John is the revelator of what got you into Christianity for God so loved. His whole revelation is on the love of God. If there's anything a new Christian needs to know is a revelation of God's love first because God always operates on the foundation of love first. Paul said "If you can have everything else, but if you don't have love, then you are a tinkling cymbal, a sounding brass. In other words, everything you say is just noise. It's, it's not seed, and you are nothing Paul said, you're nothing without love. You're nothing. You're nothing without love. So if you're going to find who you are because you are not nothing, you are something, you are someone, and the only way you're going to find that out is by a revelation of his love. The last thing that individual, see, we go first to our teachings. We want to hand them a pamphlet of what we believe. And I've looked that stuff over, and people have suggested, well, Dean, you need to have a pamphlet. When people come in, they need to know what you believe. They need to know this. They need to know that. And they need to find connection in the church. And, and, and we, need to get the, we need to get our marketing done so that they can get connection and we can get them to stay. Because the faster we can get them in here and we can get them to stay then then the faster the church will grow and the faster the church grows, the faster that we can do ministry and we can pay off the building and we can have money here to have this and money to do that and, and all of these things. And I'm not against all those things. But the problem is all you have is a larger group of people who don't know Jesus. And the larger number you have that don't know Jesus... The more issues you're going to have inside that building that you don't even know you have till you have them. They don't know who they are. They don't know their direction in life. They don't know. They're just, they're drifting, but, but they are coming to get connection. Is connection good? Connection's necessary. It's part of the things that you have to have. It's part of God, God's makeup in you. You have to have connection. It's a need. But if that's what we meet first instead of meeting Jesus, none of that is going to be fulfilled. It turns into works. It turns into duties. It turns into obligations. And then before you know it, you come to the end of your road or you come in, what's even worse, is you come into your trial. You come into your Goliath. You come into your lion's den. You come into your, your furnace to walk through, and you don't know him. Man, that's not good. I've talked to those who have been Christians for years and don't know him. <laughs> wow, that's, it's tough because they don't know him. And you start opening up the Bible, and you read some scriptures, and they go, uh, you go, well, it's it's kind of like, uh, you know, you, you, you bring up Elijah and Elisha. And they go, uh, who's that? Elijah and Elisha? Yeah, who is that? Well, they were prophets in the Old Testament. In the Bible? I've never heard of them. This is where we're at. And the first thing we've got to get across to people is, is to know him your first step back is not getting into church your first step back is not is not crying out for mercy your first step back is turning to jesus which is the word and the word is jesus because in it and only in it will you find out who you are and you'll find out your value you find out God's plan for your life begins to be revealed to you. You begin to see the plan that God has on this earth, as well as in heaven. You begin to see, and and you get to know Him, and you cannot be veered off of it. I I watched something last night. Segue just a little bit here. I I saw something. We were we we've got this thing called Roku. I, I, okay, we, it's just new to us because I'm not a big you know, all that stuff, so I just want, you know, to turn on the TV and watch what I want to watch, and so now I can, the kids have introduced us to Roku and something else, I don't know, but it's kind of like the same, Um, Hulu, that's it, Hulu, and Hulu, and Roku and Hulu. Anyway, out there on these programs, they had a really neat title out there. And it was the story of the flood and the Noah, the story of Noah. I thought, man, that, and I, 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 when I went to it, it just gave you a real quick, brief overview. And I'm listening to the overview. I thought, well, that sounds pretty good. I'm going to see what this is about. So I turn it on, and about five or ten minutes into it, not long, check, 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 check. What was the check? Well, I know my Bible. And they got to talking about, before the days of Noah, the people had forsaken the Ten Commandments. I say, what? Forsaken the Ten Commandments? The Ten Commandments ain't been on there yet. They've not showed up yet. And that's what they were talking about, that, that today we're getting ready to face the same tragedies of judgment on this earth. Because we have forsaken the Ten Commandments today, and so because just like in the days of Noah, because Jesus said, as in the days of Noah, so shall the coming of the Lord be. What, did, what was referenced to that? They'll, they'll be living life as normal. They'll be eating, drinking, marrying, and giving in marriage. All that is just normal stuff. In other words, there's going to be no inclination to you as to when I come. You won't know. You, can you see the signs? Yeah. But when they asked Jesus, hey, when is your return? What did Jesus' response was? I'll give you Dean Hammond's interpretation. None of your business. It's none of your business, and no one knows, not even I. Only the Father knows. <laughs> so then why is, why is it that we watched for years Jack Van Ampey? How many of you know who I'm talking about? Oh, Jack. Remember that? All the time. Oh, Jack. What was that whole program about? Trying to pinpoint when Jesus was coming. Trying to get an inclination of it could be this year, it could be next year. Jockeying, jockeying with numbers, trying to do the math, trying to figure out God's numbers, and trying to figure out when Jesus is coming, and captivating a whole church world in an, in an arena of question and study and pursuing something that Jesus said, that is none of your business. How much clearer does he have to get Quit looking for the day when I'm coming. You shouldn't be worried. What you should do is you should be tarrying in discipleship till I come in relationship with me, and let me walk with you, and you walk with me. Let me be in you, and you in me, and us in the Father. That's what you need to be worried about, and that's all you need to be worried about, because in that I can speak to you, and you will go and do what I ask you to do, because it's us doing it together, and we've done it so many times, you trust me every time, and I. And you walk up, and you open up your mouth, and you put into the ears of the individual that I have already prepared their heart and now you are speaking to them and they are receiving me also. And the kingdom begins to grow. We are wasting our time and burning up our tires and and, and wearing out our wheels trying to figure out something that God said, leave it alone. (laughs) And we get these I taught a little bit on Revelation. When I started talking on Revelation, so much disappointment because we thought we were going to talk about end times. We don't need to talk about end times. You're in end times. You're living it. The Bible tells us what Revelation is about. It's not about end times. It's not about Jesus coming, and it's not about hell, and it's not about heaven. It's not about any of that. Do you know what the book of Revelation is? It's the revelation of Jesus. It says that in the beginning. That this book is a book of revealing Jesus to you. Who he is. Right now. All that stuff that John saw is going on right now. Right now, they have services in the throne room. John walked right in the middle of it. Right now, there are cherubim, cherubims and seraphims and all that stuff going on, and they're, and they're crying out. You know what their worship morning sounded like this morning to them? Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Holy, holy, holy is His name worthy of all praise, worthy of all glory. That's what was going on in the throne room, and we learn about that so we learn how to worship Him when we get together. History shows that that one song we sing sparked one of the greatest revivals in in, uh, this nation sparked one of the greatest moves of God, one of the greatest awakenings that we've seen in this nation. And we sing it here and we don't even know what, we don't even know that history on it. It's why they brought it because I I did I, wasn't I the one that brought that to you guys? Austin's not here, is he? Austin, did I bring that to you? I didn't. I don't know. I don't remember, but I know I went to a service and I hadn't heard that song in a long long time. But I and I went back to find out where I'd heard it. And it, I believe it was out of the Smithton Revival. And, it's, and, and this was the heart of the people at that place. They wrote that song, and they sang that song out of the heart that they had. And when they did, and that congregation came together and sang that song out of their heart and out of their being, and this is, this is my desire... God began to show up and the next thing you know, over 500,000 people came through that town just to go to that church in one year. In one year. They wore out the pews, they wore out the carpet, they wore out that church. It got so bad in that little, little, uh, it was just a little town, little bitty town. It got so bad in that town that through the council meetings, the pastor decided we have to stop this and go somewhere else because the town can't take it any longer. It's more pressure on this community than what they can can stand. So they moved it. And that work is still going on over on Kansas City. And the song is, I need you more. say I need you more Did you know every move of God, every move of God has began in that kind of worship? Why? Read about the revelation of Jesus Christ and you find out that's what's going on in the throne room. That's home to him. And when you create home to Him, He shows up and and abides. The Bible says that He abides in the worship. Remember? That that's where He abides. That's where He lives in the praise and worship of His people. You see? Coming back home is not hard. Getting back to the idea of this grace message instead of something else. And I'm going to go over here because we're not dealing with anything that's not common and hasn't happened in the past. We can go to the Word and find the past every time, and then it'll always give us reflection of what's going on right now, okay? And so I'm going to give you this. What happened here, and I may have to brief you on it because I may not have time to go through it. Basically, what happened here is there was a season after the law and the people couldn't keep the law understand why the law came the law came because the people wanted to know the hebrew people the hebrew people wanted to know how to please god and they were they, they were very adamant about it they didn't want anything else how do we please god god had already shown in the garden how to please him or out just outside the garden i said he had to move him out of the garden but, 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 but he showed them that it was through animal sacrifice and still listening to him. God didn't stop speaking to Adam and Eve when they left the garden. God continued to speak to them. The Bible shows us that he spoke to them and that he continued to speak to people all through. And if you'll understand this and get this, people got saved in the Old Testament by believing on him and animal sacrifice. If they didn't get saved, then where is, where is Moses right now? Where's Abraham right now? Are they in heaven or not? Well, the only way to get to heaven is to be saved. Were they the ones bound in, in hell while when Jesus died and went to hell? It, or, no, they, they weren't. Before Jesus died, he talked about there's a bosom of Abraham and there's a lake of fire. And when you die, people go one of the two places. Lazarus was over here in Abraham's bosom, and the rich man was over here in fire. And, the, and, and, it, and it, obviously it was real hell because he was crying out to ask for, for, for someone to send Lazarus to him and dip his finger in water and just touch my tongue, touch my lips. Just give me some relief here, Okay. So we know that there is a place called hell, and there is a place called heaven, and we know that when men die, they go there. They're, they're, you're not resting out in the grave site somewhere. You go visit that all you want to. That's very honorable to go visit if that's what you want to do and put flowers or in honoring them or memorializing them or whatever you want to do. But honey, they ain't there. They ain't there. You can talk out there all you want to talk. But if you needed to get that conversation out before they, go, before they left because they're not there anymore. They aren't there. And it doesn't matter how, what you resurrect out there to try to memorialize them. They're still not there. When I talk about um, taking out a moment and honoring Jack Lewis out there on the golf course... I don't talk to Jack Lewis out there on the golf course. I look at that gravesite and it reminds me of Jack Lewis and I remember the things that God did through Jack Lewis for me. And I'm thankful once again that he was in my life and God brought brought him in my life. I give God the glory for all of that. And then I go on because Jack ain't there. Neither is mama, neither is daddy, neither is grandma, neither is grandpa. They're not there. Okay? And we, because we don't know our word, we got, all, we got all these ideas within the Christian family of what's going on. Heard somebody say the other day, I just rebuked the devil and sent him right back to hell where he came from. Guess what? He never came from hell. If you rebuke him and tell him to go back where he came from, you just sent him back to heaven. Because he came from heaven. He's a falling angel. And you know where he's at now? Under the leadership and headship of the, the, the archangel, one of the archangels, Lucifer. And Lucifer's giving him jobs to do to torment you and to drag you off course, get you distracted. And he doesn't care if you're saved. He just wants to get you defeated get you on the side of the road, stuck in a ditch, and leave you there. Go on to the next. Because he can't change what's already happened to you. You've been blood washed, blood bought. You are now a child of God, and he can't change that. But if he can get in your head and get you over the side of the ditch, you won't be effective to him, and he'll just move on and leave you alone. He'll wreck you. He'll come to steal, kill, and destroy. That's what he does. And that's why they're still killing, destroying, and and, killing. killing, stealing, and destroying on this planet because they're still loose. They're trying to still speak into your head. They're still trying to put ideas in your thoughts. They're still trying to tell you who you aren't and 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 who God isn't and, and how mad he is at you or how he's disappointed or how he won't do this for you and won't do that for you and how you're just not... A Remember, watch Jesus and you'll find out how he's going to talk to you. Jesus got baptized, came up out of the water. What's the first thing he heard? This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. All right. He went out into the the desert to be tempted of of, 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 uh, of, of the enemy. What's the first thing the enemy said to him? If you are the son of God, wait a second. Did you see how he changed it? A few minutes ago it was, you are my, my beloved son. Satan says, if you're the son. Satan's not about to remind you you're the beloved son because if you remember you're the beloved son or the beloved daughter, he has no temptation power over you. It's when we don't realize who we are that the power is, is, is available to him to use on us. Okay? I feel like I'm segwaying a lot today, and I'm really sorry. If I'm just scattering this all over the place, maybe you'll get something, okay? Because I'm, I'm, I'm going to try to... I got so much going on right now inside that I, I, there's just so much to give you. Uh, these, these priests, after the law, and the law was given to the Hebrews, was not given to us, it was given to the Hebrews. And they want to know how to please God. And God said, you want to know how to please me? It's impossible to please me. So I'll give you ten commandments to please me. And you can't do any of them. You might be able to get one done. But you can't get them all done. And under under my requirement of these, you'll never get any of them done. So what did God do? He says, it's impossible to please me. The only way you can please me is go back to knowing me, hearing me. And, and what happened was these priests, in, 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 in what I've seen, what I've read, what I figured, these people couldn't follow the Ten Commandments, couldn't do it. And they got to watching these people trying to get them, and they started amending those Ten Commandments, okay, and started hiding in these amendments and making that a safe place to be of more works to do. And people still weren't getting it, so it got to the point where the priest, the Bible says the priest and the prophets got to drinking. Obviously, the 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 trying to get the people to God and God the people drove the priest to drinking. You know, and as a pastor, I can understand that, okay? And and, and so the prophets, and so all of a sudden they were just they weren't speaking life any longer. And they started speaking amendments and it was that's where it's precept upon precept, line upon line, here a little you know what the actual translation of that is? Let me give it to you real quick. Because it's really interesting because uh over here. This is why I don't there. there. Sometimes my fingers are just a little fat on that. I don't. All right. There it is. God said it's it's turned into where it's it's just Precept upon precept, line upon line, and this is God speaking to those prophets, speaking to those priests. And the actual translation, when you go to the Hebrew on this, it's really funny because most of the time when you go to a translation, you get some meaning. But on precept upon precept and line upon line, it it really means just more rules and more regulations and more stuff to do. And when we go get the actual translation out of it, trying to find out what God was saying, he was saying, sav-la-sav, sav-la-sav, kav-la-kav, kav-la-kav. Sav-la-sav, sav-la-sav, kav-la-kav, kav-la-kav. Now, do you know what that means? I'm going to give you Dean Hammond's translation on that. You want to know what that means? Blah 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 wah wa God said I'm sick and tired of you priest trying to step in the middle of me and my children and when you watch them and how they live all you do is make more rules and more regulations and and you are not connecting them in the life with me see Jesus even God even then wanted he goes on to say my plan was for you to live in rest my plan was for you to live in refreshment That was my plan. And it was his plan in the Old Testament. It is more so his plan in the New Testament. That is his plan for you to live in in rest and refreshment. And God said, no, that's not what you do. You get up there after drinking your troubles away and get up in that pulpit and you tell those people, wah, 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 wah. And I'm tired of it. I'm tired of it. You see, coming to church is not about what we believe. It's not about what our vision is. It's not about um, our fresh coffee or not-so-fresh coffee. It's not about where we got our donuts. It's not about who we're going to see at church. It is about another opportunity to sit down. God was talking about what you once had as prophets and priests in me is you had a life word and that life word connected me to my people, and they heard my voice through you. But now, you got to looking at them. And now you're trying to fix them with my, with my Ten Commandments and with, with your amendments to those. If you want to know what those, those amendments look like, just go to Leviticus. It turns out you can't do this. I'm telling you. Half of you right now are going to hell because you just have two different kinds of thread on you right now. Under that Levitical law, you couldn't wear polyester and cotton together. So, most of our underwear is polyester and most of our clothing is cotton. We're in trouble. We're going to hell. It's done. We're done. We're already judged. You can't build a, you can't, you can't sow a, crop. you can't sew a garden and have two different kinds of things in that garden. You got one thing in that garden. And here's what God said. Here was one of the main things he got across in this passage. And this is the thing that angers me about church. And this is the thing that angers me with, with, with people going, well, you know, what about sin? What about preaching about sin? What about preaching about repentance? What about every message I preach is about repentance. You will very, ever, very seldom ever hear me talk to you about sin. How many of you are saved this morning? Okay. Okay. So you're already blood washed, blood bought, right? Has your sin been been forgiven? Is it in the sea of forgetfulness to be remembered no more? Is it been cast from the east to the west, never to be never to be touched again, never to be brought up before God again? Is it gone? Then why do we need to talk about it? Because church is not a place for the sinners. Your coffee table and your dinner table is the place for the sinners. The place for the house of God is to train and and, and and build up and encourage and equip. That's what the house of God's for. So therefore, there's no reason. And God said, you keep preaching a message of plowing. And it's plowing, 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 plowing. How many of you ever grew up in a church that it was just plowing all the time? We'll plow this way, and next week we'll plow this way. Next week we're going to go this way and plow and next week we'll go another way and plow. And we're just going to plow and plow and plow. And God said in this passage, you priest, when will you ever understand there's a time for sowing? And then there's a time for watering. And then there's a time for reaping. And there's a time for the harvest. There's a time to, Then there's a time to take the harvest and grind it into bread. What is this? This is we learn to live a life getting closer and closer. What's that bread represent? The table of the Lord. There's a time when all of this, you, you go from plowing, but somebody's got to sow in you. Somebody's got to fertilize you. Somebody's got to, you've got to, you've got to be nurtured and watered upon. And then from watering, you've got to grow. And then from growing, we've got to make sure that something doesn't come along and eat you up. But we keep the pestilence off of you and the anointing comes on you. You begin to learn about the anointing as you come up out of the ground and start to grow. Because the anointing is the thing that covers you and keeps the, the 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 insects off it's like the it's like kind of like the roundup stuff or the pesticides only it has it it just has nothing but positive in it the anointing covers you and then the bible says You'll be like trees planted by rivers of living water that will, will shoot forth its, its leaves in its due season and produce fruit in, 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 in time. It will not cast off its fruit ahead or behind. It will be just on time. Can I tell you, people, you will have the words to say at the right time to say them. What I'm telling you about this, God said, I want you to quit telling them what to do and get them back into the process of coming and walking with me. Because once I can get them to harvest, at harvest, then we've got something. God says, now I got something to go down to the mill and grind it up and make bread. And now we can sit down and eat together. Whoa. Whoa. That's why I don't believe in anybody getting called when they got saved. I think they can call, but it's not time to go preach yet. It's not time to go do your thing yet. You might have something God's called you to do, but it's all about relationship with him. You say, but it it says in the Bible, I got to go do this. I got to go do that. I got to go. I've got to. I've got to. I've got to. No, you don't have to do anything. You first got to go through the plowing. Then you got to go through the sowing, receiving. Then you got to go through the watering. Then you got to go through the harvest. And then you got to go through the process of the harvest so that you're sitting at the table of the Lord having a meal with Him. And it's at that place He now tells you how. Hello? He now discusses with you how you fulfill the great Commission and instead we're getting them saved and trying to get them in the great commission oh they're saved now now here we got to go do this we got to minister to this we got to do this we got to do that and people are trying to do that and they're wore out they they it, 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 they don't know how to treat one another they don't know how they don't even, they, they don't know how to do it and they, and 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 they get they they just get they just get wore out doing church stuff. And then they can't quite get it right. And so they quit. They segue. They, they, they drift. Why do they drift? Because we always kept plowing them. Then we'd sow into them. And then we'd plow them again next week. Do you know what plowing is? the salvation message. Breaking the ground. The salvation message. Once you have received Jesus Christ, you don't need the salvation message any longer. What you need now is a relationship with the Savior who saved you. That's what you need now. Oh, we need. I'm bringing somebody this week, Pastor. Make sure you preach that message so they really found the Lord to this week. No, make sure you live a life in front of them that you can lead them to Christ. And then bring them to church. And if you're doing that and you led them to Christ, I'll even stand with you while you baptize them. Shouldn't you get the joy of that after you got led them to the Lord? See, we're trying to give that all off to the preacher. Hello? When really, if you led somebody to the Lord, Lois, you're the priest or the princess of God. You're his priest, and you led them to the Lord. Why give that to the preacher? You can go to the preacher and say, hey, my, my, my friend got my friend got saved, and he's wanting to be baptized, or she's wanting to be baptized. That's when we should look at you and go, oh, that's great. Let's do that. Now, do you, would you like to baptize them this next Sunday, Lois? Now, if you don't want to do that, that's fine, but you ought to be given an opportunity to because you're the one that led them there. Does that? Am I making any sense here? Because I'm not here to keep church going the way it's going. I'm here to grow up. We're going to grow up together. And some of it, we're going to just grow up together. Amen? Because that's who you are. And you weren't sent to, to, to get saved to just keep getting plowed over and then sowed into, plowed over and sowed into. The seed never gets an opportunity to grow. And the excuse is, oh, yeah, but, you know, I got to preach like this because sinners might be coming in, and I got to be able to reach out to them and save them. Who gave you the job to save the world? What about talk to the person who brought them? Maybe connect with them. Maybe they need help. Maybe go out to dinner with them, with that couple or with that individual. And then you can disciple them over, over a, a hamburger or something on how to talk to them about bringing them into, amen? Because when we get that right, folks, somewhere we got institutionalized. And we're going to give our money and the institution will take care of it. That's not the gospel the gospel is is you having a relationship the gospel is you being empowered and that's what makes church valuable we get disappointed because church is not growing church is not people are not coming in being saved and that kind of thing let me tell you something I, that doesn't disappoint me at all i'm here to disciple you every sunday And to get some more truth in you, not line upon line and precept upon precept, the Bible—that's how we learn. So the Bible says. I mean, in this right here, it's eleven oh two. Okay, I'm gonna get you out in just a second. The Bible said that. uh, Boy, I just lost it. Line upon line, and precept upon precept. That's here, little there, little. And we look at that and, and that's how we that's how we learn. But the and, and the and the and, and learning that way, um the Bible says that to do your first works over, when you have drifted to do your first works over, okay, what does that mean? What that mean? well, okay, how did you first come to the Lord? You received his love for you. You didn't do anything, you received. You couldn't find the Lord, you didn't know where to look. You could go to church because you knew there was, that was a place that I might be able to find some relief or something there. But it's the Spirit that draws. But once you're a child of God, we've been given instruction. If at any time you segue, what you do is you do your first works over. What is that? I receive from the Lord. Okay? And then what I have to do is I have to go back because the way I learn, I have to take all those rules and regulations and all that stuff that was put on me as obligation at church because that's where it happens. The world does not put you under obligation to work in children's church, the world does not put you in obligation to sing in the choir. The world does not put you in obligation to take up offering. The world does not put you in obligation to preach the gospel. The world does not put you in obligation to clean the church or clean up after church. The world does not put you in obligation to come out and help set up for a a weenie roast uh, or help build build the next program at church. The church puts that obligation on you. Come on. The world doesn't. The church does. So what I've got to do is I've got to go back, and every all that line upon line has got to be peeled off. I was talking to you the other day about that. Peeling the onion back, it's like peeling layers off of what you have been told to please God. And you've got to begin to peel those off line upon line, precept upon precept. Because God said if you operate in those rules and regulations, those amendments, those things, that blah, 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 wah, wah, he said you'll keep stepping back. It causes you to step backwards. The Bible says it actually causes you to step backwards, and you'll trip and fall backwards. And that's what happens to people all the time. They trip and they fall back. That's why we call them backsliders. But you know what created backsliders? Rules and regulations at church. not coming into a relationship with jesus christ so when new people come the first thing we want to do is encourage the word encourage the word go out to eat go out to get to connect with them and the whole connection point is what do they know about the word how do they feel about the word preached here can you, can you explain anything to them if they have questions? What What is it that, that that they might have questions about? Because this is different. Did you know that? Did you know this is different? I don't know if you knew that or not. But, but this is different. This is that you're coming in here to grow. You're not coming here just to go to church. And you won't be able to stand it long if you don't want to do that. And that's okay. I, I'm not here to force anybody to do anything. I'm here to just just give you what God's giving me. I don't have anything else to give, but what He's given me. So help me. Here, here's the first step: Are we reading our Bible? Are we are we reading it for ourselves? Because that's the, that's the beginning. That's how we know whether this ain't quite right. You know, you know. It, when you know the Bible, you can go. Eh, I'm not sure about that. Last night when I was watching that, I went. Hmm. That ain't that ain't right. <laughs> so I went straight out there find out who was producing this. When I found out who was producing this, I, Pat says uh, you turn that off. I said she went off doing something with Annabelle. I said yeah, I turned it off. I saw who was producing it. I'm out. I mean I'm I'm out. You know. So so guys, it's it's that's what this is about. Is 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 everything is to head in a direction of a relationship. When we understand that, then we understand when people come. And I can tell you as a pastor, I've been pastoring for 25 years. Over those 25 years, probably, oh, it's been probably 25 times a year. I don't know, something like that. Somebody comes along with a ministry wanting me to get involved with their ministry or get involved with them, help them do this, help them do that. And what I've, what God has taught me through all those years is it's all about relationship. And what you have to understand is God's called me to do one thing. And I'm not getting off of it to go do your thing. Won't happen. I will teach you how God has called me to one thing. And how to get that one thing accomplished so that your one thing he's called you to do. You can get accomplished. I'll teach you that. But I'm not here to step into your one thing. Because if you open up the Bible, we'll never get anything done if we're all trying to do all of it. Hello? You can't. One thing. What is the one thing he's called you and, and attracted you to that you want to reach out and touch people with? Now go through the process. Go through the sewing. Go through the rain, go through the harvest, go through the process, get to the table of the Lord and find out how. Amen. Is that all right today? I love you so much. I love you so much. I I, I do. I love you so much. But what's more important today is, is that you have a Savior that loves you. You have a God that has a plan for you. You need to just say with me right now, God has a plan for me. God loves me. I'm so special to him. Who's got more than one child? That first one came along, you didn't think you could ever love anything more than that child. And then the second one came along and you went, man, I love that one just as much, just different. Wasn't it just different? Wasn't that girl different? I know Rick, when my girl came, it was just different. Michelle was just different. I loved her differently. But I still look at those two boys, and I still—they were still my world. Apple of my eye, they're everything. But just, and that's how God is with us. As we come into the kingdom, He goes—you know, He loves us as we're made in the image of Him in our in our in our mother's womb. He loves us, and He loves all of us with everything He has. Say it: I'm special. I have a destiny. God has a plan for my life. And I will reach the table of the Lord. I will. I'm going there. I can see me getting there. So you got to see yourself. I'm going to arrive at the table of the Lord, and I'm going to know how to accomplish, and I'll quit running around. I'll quit. I will get involved. And he'll show me how, and when he shows me how, I will know how, and I will know that I'm doing exactly what he's called me to do, and nobody will ever pull me off. And you know what you'll become? You know what you'll become? That person. God wants to get you to a place of love where he said, you know what his level and what his requirement is? His requirement is, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. I will be with you to the end. That's his requirement. That's how he loves us. And I'm telling you when you when you get off of just getting plowed all the time and you get into a process of growth, you're going to find yourself in a position where you can look him square in the eye and say, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. I will be with you till the end of my life and to the next. I'm never getting out of this. I'm never going. You ain't getting me off this. I ain't ever leaving. How about you? I ain't ever leaving. Amen? Father, we thank you so much for your word. We thank you, Father, for your grace. Father, most of all, we thank you that what brought all of it to us was your love. Father, help us to receive you more. Wake up every day knowing we need you more. We need more of that love. We need to receive more of that love. Increase of your love in Jesus' name. And we give you the praise and the glory for it, for we are in your hands. And, Father, you are protecting us in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. We'll see you next week.